Folks, it is officially trade deadline day, and we have plenty of action between the Winnipeg Jets playing the Chicago Blackhawks and a number of trades uh, currently underway throughout the league. The Jets might be in some action later today, and you'll get to hear about some of those trades on Tuesday's episode. But for your Monday morning wake-up, here's what's happened over the past 24 hours around the league. All of this coming right up on today's Locked On Winnipeg Jets. You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Thank you for choosing to make Lockdown Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and Odyssey. Doing so is completely free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode, but most of all, we just really love and appreciate your support. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered the season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. As you may recall from the start of this show, I mentioned that there were a couple of things that were really worth mentioning. Uh, obviously, there have been some NHL trades, but in terms of Winnipeg Jets news, of course, we have a game between the Jets and the Blackhawks. I thought I'd quickly run through that first because uh, obviously the game itself wasn't much to write home about. The Jets ended up winning 6-4, to four, which, hey, I mean, I guess that's pretty fun. Um, I think the biggest concern for a lot of folks was if the Jets are playing right and, and they end up winning and suddenly they only find themselves a couple of points out of the playoff spot, you know, come Monday morning uh, and, and eventually the afternoon, do the Jets make the decision in between then to become sellers or are they going to be buyers? Maybe they choose door number three, which is to stand pat with what they have. Now, obviously, you know, the barometer of success should not be beating the Blackhawks 6-4. to four. If that was the standard, obviously this team would not really be passing, but maybe the front office would disagree. I think the, you know, the recent record and, and form will make management think a little bit harder than usual, but ultimately it does sound like from all the rumors, the Jets are mostly looking to sell. I think this team is kind of at a point where, you know, they have a lot of free agents that are are expiring and, and they don't really have any intention of actually resigning these guys because the team itself might be preparing to eventually change out the core. You know, we're seeing the latter years of Blake Wheeler's career. He's struggling to keep up at times. And even though he wants to be playing top line minutes, it's clear Blake is not really the top line forward he used to be. Um, you know, Shifley's decline, especially in two-way productivity, has been another issue. And, you know, while he's still very offensively gifted, his overall impact on the ice continues to be a slight question mark at times, which I think does probably bother the front office. There were even rumors that this summer may be Shifley's last with the team. So a lot of questions around the squad and, you know, against the Blackhawks, I think we didn't really get any particular clarity other than what I've been saying for the most of the season and which a number of fans have also been echoing is that, you know, the Jets aren't really a competitive team. Um, against Chicago, I thought offensively, they created some decent chances. Uh, they put Flurry through uh, the ringer a few times, but, 
you know, the same defensive issues that we've seen time and time again. They ended up appearing multiple times throughout the game. You know, the Jets had a, what, a 5-2 lead at some point, and they very nearly blew it. They came really close to actually surrendering multiple goal-scoring opportunities with um, Flurry pulled, and, and Chicago got close to tying it and forcing overtime. It was only a, a bit of a fluky bounce that went Wheeler's way that the Jets were even able to come out with the extra empty net goal and win this one 6-4. So, yeah. I think a lot of the confusion in the defensive zone and, you know, the general mediocrity of the performances we've seen on the ice just cements the idea that I think this team is still very much in seller mode. You know, the the game against the Hawks, it wasn't the worst performance I've ever seen, but it's hardly impressive to say you've beat Chicago. This is one of the uh, bottom half NHL squads, and uh, actually Chicago has beaten the Jets this year, I'm pretty sure, and they've lost to Arizona as well. So, not exactly a, uh, a squad of Winnipeg world beaters, unfortunately. By the end of the day tomorrow, I expect the Jets to look a little different, uh, maybe a little bit more youthful. We actually got to see Jeff Malott uh, get called up because Adam Lowry tested positive for COVID, and he has to stay out for about a week or so as long as he remains testing um, negative. So obviously that's a, a very important thing, and we hope that Adam is healthy and able to recover quickly. Hopefully it was just you know, maybe a false positive this time, or if he actually does have COVID, then, you know, it passes quickly and it doesn't cause him any long-term impacts. But uh, as for Malat, I, I thought his debut was fine. Um, you know, you're not really asking a lot from a young guy who's just joined the team. It wasn't really expected that he was even going to play, but he got caught up because the team was already very short on warm bodies. And, you know, the, the Moose... While they do have some players that can be called up, they don't have a lot of reserves. The Moose themselves have had to go through uh, long stretches of injuries this year. So Malat leaving the team probably wasn't an easy decision, uh, but I'm sure the Jets are just very shorthanded. Reichel's out, of course. Uh, we just got Ehlers back, and then you lose Lowry, so it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a rotating cast of characters. And if the Jets start trading guys tomorrow, it wouldn't shock me to see Winnipeg have to maybe bring a forward or two in. In fact, the Jets have been heavily linked to Mason Appleton, and he may be returning at some point today to Winnipeg. Uh, you know, they've been heavily suggesting it's going to be for a mid-round pick, which for me, it's kind of a whatever move, so long as it's a low-end pick. Uh, I know that the Jets are probably thinking about moving Stastny and Cop off the books, but because they already have a lot of injuries, anyone that they lose is actually going to be pretty significant. So they have to bring in at least like a roster forward coming back in. And Mason Appleton, whom they definitely enjoy uh, having around and who has actually been a pretty okay middle six forward for the Jets, I think he would comfortably slide back in. I don't think he'll cost too much. And maybe the Jets want to get him down to a couple of seasons for term and see if he can be... Andrew Kopp's kind of replacement. I don't know if Appleton really has the same level of impact that Kopp does, but Mason, in his time here, he was pretty effective. And it's not the kind of move where the Jets are suddenly buyers. You know, the, the game against the Hawks and the previous performances, I think, tell us just about everything we need to know about this team. And it's that it's just a mediocre squad. So I think they can bring in some warm bodies, but anything more than that, probably not. A number of other teams, however, have been a lot busier on the trade market, and we'll talk about what moves have really stood out to me the most, and whether or not they're actually worth it. Before then, though, I thought you should hear about Athletic Greens and their amazing product, AG1, that I use every day. When it comes to living a healthy lifestyle, a lot of us are looking for quick, easy fixes that keep us going no matter what we need. 
Finding something that's safe, convenient, and easy to use is always a challenge, though. Fortunately, our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 from Athletic Greens because I'm looking for that extra boost of immune support. What is AG1 from Athletic Greens, you might ask? It's a great tasting, convenient, and easy to use powder that only needs 8 ounces of water mixed in to start your day off right. AG1 comes with 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food source superfoods. I take it to help boost my immune system because, you know, these days we're always exposed to a lot of different viruses, bacteria, and everything in between, so taking AG1 to fortify my body system is one of the easiest steps I can take every day. Want to do the same? It's super easy. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hey friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. When you're waking up this morning and you're listening to me, I'm very grateful, but I would also be super grateful if you check out Locked On Now and their extra special NHL trade deadline special, which is going to be happening at 3.30 p.m. Eastern today, where you'll get insight from both Locked On Fantasy Hockey and many of our Locked On NHL podcast hosts. As always, subscribing is completely free, so do so right now and be sure to stay up to date on the latest action from around the entire NHL. Now, like I mentioned earlier at the start of this episode, we have a lot of NHL trades that are currently ongoing right now. And, uh, you know, I wanted to cover a few of the largest ones that I think are really worth spotlighting. Uh, Throughout the week, we'll talk about more trades, the implications for each of these teams and whether or not any of them really move the needle for teams looking to be true contenders. But I think the biggest one that folks were kind of waiting for the hammer to fall on was Claude Giroux. Giroux has been a major component of Philadelphia hockey and sports culture for many years now. You know, Captain Claude has been, well, really emblematic of the recent Flyers resurgence over the past several years. But of course, with the team kind of falling on hard times right now, and Giroux not exactly young these days, it was time for him to move on. And I think the team wanted to give him a chance to try and chase a cup after devoting so many years to a really great Flyers team that was no longer at its peak. The trade package itself has had a little bit of a mixed reception so far. Uh, Giroux was traded with Hermann Rupsov, Connor Bunneman, and a 2024 fifth-round pick in exchange for Owen Tippett, a 2023 third-round pick, and a 2024 first-round pick, all coming from Florida. Now, the first-round pick is actually top-10 protected and can be moved to 2025 if, in fact, the Panthers end up getting a top-10 pick in that draft. So, yeah, interesting trade package. It does sound like the Panthers were not the best offer overall. Uh, In fact, a lot of teams were very much after Claude Giroux's signature. I know one of the biggest suitors was probably the Colorado Avalanche, but, you know, a lot of teams really couldn't fit his cap hit. So it does kind of seem like the Panthers may be, in in saying thanks to, um, you know, Giroux's many years of services, try to make this as painless of a deal as possible and to get it off without a hitch they made sure that the price wasn't really out of reach for a team like the Panthers the package is pretty notable um, and I think the Panthers they paid a lot but I don't think they're going to be too upset especially if they're really trying to well win it all 
I think Giroux will actually have a pretty big impact on that top six, but unfortunately for the Panthers, they just lost Aaron Ekblad, and it does potentially seem like a longer-term injury. So, you know, you bring one guy in, but you also lose one of your most important back-end players. So it's going to be an interesting impact study. I think the Panthers are probably going to be still very good, even without Ekblad and Giroux coming in to bring that scoring punch alongside guys like Barkov and um, many of their other great players. It's an interesting team and one that I think is still very much a, uh, a Stanley Cup favorite. I think this trade moves the needle slightly, but probably not to the level where you you know it really changes my assessment. I've always had the Panthers as favorites, and I think that just really hasn't changed. The, uh, the Flyers definitely did not get the best return here, and I think if any team is going to be disappointed, it's going to be Philadelphia. I get why they made this trade and why they set the prices the way that they did, but... If you ask me, I'm just not a huge fan of it. it. It seems a little bit of an underpayment. Maybe this trade market isn't that great for forwards, but I feel like Claude Giroux had to be one of the most you know desirable names, one of the biggest guys on the market, and to not really get a tremendous package in exchange for him, not even a top two round pick out of the 2023 draft, it just seems a little bit mediocre. Um, I, I can't lie. I think it's slightly underwhelming, but it's, I mean, it is what it is. The guys that Drew got sent along with, Rutsov and Bunneman, I mean, I don't really think the Flyers are going to be particularly broken over losing either player. Rutsov has never really lived up to the promise that he once had, and Bunneman just seems like, you know, an, an average NHL skater, probably. I don't know if he's like a replacement level guy, I'm not overly aware of his reputation, but I feel like, you know, it, it is what it is. The Flyers are just trying to get this deal through the door and they need to move some salary off the books, get some contracts off and, and bring in Tippett. Tippett could be a potentially really great ad for this team. I, I think Owen's got a lot of talent and though his start to the NHL maybe has been a little bit modest in certain areas, you do have to think that at some point Owen will kind of figure it out and maybe he can become a really great top six sniper for a Flyers team that has had a lot of recent instability and could use a really marquee name to become the next franchise superstar. I don't think Tippett is that level of player, but maybe he surprises us all and starts bagging goals left and right for the Flyers. Now, Owen Tippett and Claude Giroux weren't the only major names swapped today. There is one other trade that I think is really worth spotlighting and talking about, and we'll get to that trade in just a little bit. Before then, though, I thought you should hear a little bit about BetOnline.net and why they should be your number one choice for all of your online betting needs, especially as we approach the hottest time of the year in the NHL, the playoff race. Football might be over, but BetOnline.net has way more odds and info for this upcoming playoff season. From scores, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. Not into football? No problem. BetOnline.net's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. They've even got great lines for all of you Winnipeg Jets fans. From player points totals to award winners and more. Want to bet on Hellebuck winning another Vezina trophy? Log into BetOnline.net right now and place your bet. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports and play your favorite games. To get started, register for a free account with BetOnline.net right now. Start winning today, because BetOnline is where the game starts. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Bilt Bar in your New Year's plans. Bilt Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, but it's even better for you. 
They make it easy to stick to your New Year's resolution because it tastes so good, you'll actually want to eat it, unlike all those other waxy, chalky, boring protein bars you're used to. Built Bars are coated in 100% real chocolate and contain around 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Good luck finding a candy bar that's as guilt-free as Built Bars are. Ready to make the change? Go through your cupboards or all of your secret snack stashes and throw out all the junky, calorie-laden, super-sugary foods that you can replace with Built Bars. You don't even have to love working out. Built Bars are suitable for every lifestyle and can help you cut calories the tasty way. To get started, go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 at checkout for 15% off at Built.com. Start your New Year's resolutions off the Built way. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are closing out tonight's episode with some thoughts on a major trade that occurred over the weekend, this one involving the Anaheim Ducks and the Boston Bruins. The Anaheim Ducks have traded away Hampus Lindholm in exchange for Uraho Vakaninen, a 2022 first-round pick, a 2023 second-round pick, a 2024 second-round pick as well. And in exchange, they got Lindholm and Cody Curran, which I'm not really familiar with Curran, but I certainly know who Hampus Lindholm is. This right here is a bit of a blockbuster trade because Lindholm has been one of the absolute best defenders in the NHL for many years. These days, I don't know if his uh, on-ice impact is as strong as it used to be, especially when he was younger and in his prime. He's also had a number of injuries over the years that I think have probably, at least in part, impacted some of his performance on the ice. That said, he's probably still one of the better left-handed defenders out there you can find. This package that they've gotten is is pretty expensive. Um, the Ducks, I think, got a decent package of futures, and they also got John Moore, which is not you know the worst, I would say. Moore is at this stage of his career like a capable third-pairing defender, and Vakinainen at one point was a somewhat heralded uh, D prospect for the Bruins. I don't know if he's really had um, the sort of trajectory that would replace the level of somebody like Lindholm. I think Hampus is pretty special, and so I can't really imagine that any of these guys are, are going to immediately fill the void that uh, you know Lindholm's departure is going to leave. What's especially painful for the Ducks, I'm sure, is that Right after Lindholm got traded, he then extended for eight years at $6.5 million with Boston. There was some debate over whether or not the Ducks were going to trade and then sign him later once he hit free agency, but that is no longer the situation, and I think based on what the Bruins gave up, that's decently in line with a package that you would probably associate a team looking to extend somebody long-term for. I mean, that's... What they gave up was a pretty large haul, certainly not a cheap package, and I think, you know, the Bruins, yeah, I mean, this team is on the older side, and I don't know if Lindholm is going to be the difference maker. I think that they actually gave up quite a bit of, quite a bit of futures, but the Bruins are also kind of at the stage where they only have a few years left where this team is going to be as it is with Bergeron, Marchand, etc., once these guys really start to slow down and eventually retire, I mean, this Bruins team is on the older side and doesn't really have many immediate replacements in line. So I guess if you want to kind of pull the caps and try for a, a cup while you still can with this group, one last run, as it were, I, I guess you trade for Lindholm and, you know, make him a permanent member for the rest of his career, basically. I, I don't know if they'll actually keep him around for that long, but certainly on paper, an eight-year deal is probably track through the end of Lindholm's career. So if he finishes in Boston, you know, that'd be pretty crazy. I would imagine at some point they'll try to move his salary. I think they want to do, um, again, like what the Caps did and extend the life of this cup 
group as long as possible, even if the team itself is definitely slowing down and doesn't have a lot of uh, really young players to step in and fill the void. But, you know, it is what it is. I mean, it's an impressive deal. I think it's a, a huge blockbuster. And, yeah, I mean, if the Jets are looking at this and thinking about moving some defenders, I probably would consider it strongly. We also saw Jeremy Lazon uh, get traded from Seattle to uh, the Preds for, like, I don't know, a second-round pick, which is a massive overpayment. If you're looking at defenders who got traded and really weren't worth a price tag, Lazon is probably one of the worst out there. Uh, you know, you look at Troy Stetcher going to the Kings for a seventh round pick, and it's like not even in the, in the same ballpark of value. Lauzon was a really terrible overpayment, and Stetcher for a seventh is way too cheap. If the Jets are going to be selling tomorrow, I would have to say a few defenders should probably be on the market, especially guys like Nate Bolu. I'd also love to know what Logan Stanley's value is because, you know, he's probably super inflated. I could imagine a lot of teams would be very interested in him, and the Jets frankly have a lot of players that could do his role, but maybe even better. I'm sure a lot of folks won't really want to hear that though, so be sure to let me know what you think about trading Logan Stanley or any other Jets defenders at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. For tonight's episode, though, that is going to be all the time that we have. On tomorrow's show, I do plan to have a video recording for you on YouTube, going over the trade deadline news, what happened with the Jets, and sort of analyzing and breaking it down piece by piece as it happens. Uh, again, though, for tonight's show, that is going to be all the time that we have. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. Now make your second listen Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Hosts Steel Roden and Flip Livingston help you become the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available wherever you get your favorite podcasts, so be sure to like, follow, and subscribe right now. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go!